Hello, Jesper. Hi, Jan. How are you doing? I'm really well. I mean, I'm frozen through and through because it's minus 14 degrees, but I'm good. <laughs> How's Berlin? Uh, Berlin is fine, actually. It's, uh, it's a one degree positive here, so everything is a bit great, but that's Christmas for you in Berlin. I, I texted you the other day yep. when my frozen fingers allowed some kind of movement. <laughs> and it had to do with something I absolutely fell in love with immediately. Mm. IA Writer, this phenomenal writing app that we've, we've referred to many, many times. Yes. They had what they call a cautious response to AI. And this is about when you paste something in that you've used, for example, ChatGPT, it grays out the text in your document so that you see instantly how much of your content is AI generated. And as you improve it, as you tweak it, the gray goes away, is replaced by black because that's, that's your text color, so to speak. Yeah, it is, it is quite amazing because AI is now moving from, I think you phrased it as AI stops being AI and becomes just a thing you use. And we love that, right? We love tools. We don't like tech, something like to be worshipped in itself. Technology is wonderful and amazing and it has only purpose as a tool for humans to do human things. Mm. And we love this. We love that this is becoming a, a tool. What they're doing is amazing because it augments what the human is doing, but it's not pretending like it should be doing this for you. It's just your training wheels. It's your help. And I, I recognize that passion in your voice. And I also <laughs> happen to know that this whole idea of the training wheels and even how does this help us to do human things, you've taken that quite far over the past week. This, this is where I come out as a nerd, isn't it? I might have taken this too far. So this, I was triggered. I was triggered to do this last weekend or the weekend before. AI has been all pervasive. We've talked about this endlessly, and I think everyone is currently. But one of the Blinkist founders, I don't know if you're a Blinkist fan, but it's a wonderful app. But one of their founders wrote a few weeks ago that he was putting together an event for thinking about what user interfaces that are AI first could look like. And of course, that triggered me to think, yes, yes, this, this, is, this is what I need to think about. What would user interfaces and what would tools look like when AI is just the thing you use and it's just, just the core of, of your computing experience? The crazy part is the rabbit hole goes so deep. AI won't just affect the, the shallow surface level UI because, of course, what we call AI today is just a language model and it can push language back to you perfectly, even though the substance of that language might sometimes be absolute insanity, the language itself is incredibly, incredibly good. So what was a fantastic implementation that popped into your mind? What if AI is your web browser? Intriguing. Expand. Today, most of the tools we use can live in the web browser. There are people who are using computers and phones today that are basically only living in the web browser. 
But the web browser is a bunch of primitives that you have to learn. You have to navigate, you have to use some sort of search engine, you have to learn how to search for things to find the pages that you need, to click the buttons, to use the tools in the way that the tools are designed for. But there's no reason for that. What if AI is built into the browser and it will surface you the tools that you require as you require them? It will bring up Toggle or IA Writer. Not only that, it can also help you parse what you're looking at because AI is the browser. Which led me to start thinking about what if AI is the operating system? What if you take your Mac OS or your Windows and you just replace that immediately with some sort of model instead? So all you have is a desktop and you drop things on the desktop, you tell, you shout at the desktop, you write on the desktop, you scribble on the desktop, you take a photo and it appears on the desktop. And the desktop is the language model. And it is constantly asking you, what would you like me to do with this? Where would you like me to push this? Would you like me to edit this for you? How would you like to edit it? How would you like to sort that? Does this belong in this project or in that project? Would you like to share this with someone? You just tell it to. Because the instruction set to a computer is usually a bunch of icons and, and command line interface prompts. But they no longer need to be because it's all language. And the more formal the language, the easier it is for AI to do it, to use it. So an API or a CLI will be extremely easy for it to communicate with. So you take your photo of your company event, you drop it on your operating system. The operating system says, hey, you dropped a photo here. I recognize these 15 people. They're all a part of your company. Would you like me to share it with your company? Yes, share it with a company, but could you also remove this person on the left-hand side of the photo that isn't a part of the company? It's the one in the red hat. And AI says, gotcha. Removes that person from the photo and ta-da, you now have a new company photo. I see what you mean. It, it does sort of, looking in the history books, it reminds me of, of uh, sort of old Soviet era removing, scrubbing people from photos because they were never there, a little bit of sort of history rewriting maybe but i i know that's not what what you what you meant it is interesting because of course this increased power and this increased tool set also gives rise to all of the problems that better tools always do right it also gives the bad actors better tools i have a totally different example for you as well so this is this is the final thing i thought of that i think is probably the closest one because the things that we just talked about, the, um, the AI being the browser and the AI being the operating system, that will take quite a long time, probably. And it will take quite a lot of work. But something that doesn't take time or work, really, it almost exists today. We just haven't seen the packaging of AI this way yet, would be the following. So what if you have a local AI model, which you can run today, free to download, you can just start it up on your Mac or Linux machine or even this Microsoft thingy I keep hearing about. And you run that locally on your device. But because you're running it locally, you also never have to turn it off. So imagine if your AI is constantly running on anything that you put your mouse on. You hover something and the AI is describing what that is, giving you options on, on actions you could take on that thing. You 
select something and the AI is constantly trying to anticipate what you're trying to do with this. It might be copying it for you, it might be translating it for you, depending on the context of the situation. Now I'm Swedish and I speak Swedish and English mostly, so maybe if I'm highlighting something in French, it would translate that for me automatically. But this is just a part of the part of the experience of you just going through your everyday. And then we come back to something that we've actually talked about about a year ago, which is note-taking on the go. What if your local AI is always listening and as soon as you talk into your AirPods, it is waiting for the command to do something. So you can just keep talking to it and it's translating or it's um, understanding what you're telling it and taking notes, like a personal assistant in your ears. And that technology exists now. It just has not been packaged into a product mm, yet. Mm. How wonderful would that be? That would be rather wonderful. Th this actually brings to mind what uh, Humane are doing with their AI pin and the uh, the, yes. the Cosmos Cosm OS. OS. Uh, is, is that sort of part of, of what you're alluding to? That a that a device could, for example, replace a large chunk of one's smartphone and and simply exist closer to your human way of doing things rather than human device interaction. So Humane's AI pin is very interesting in the sense that it's a new type of device that is supposed to lock you from your phone. So they're solving two problems really. They're they're solving the problem of having to fiddle with your phone the entire time and they're giving you access to this AI assistant. But your devices that you already have could also run this AI assistant. We talked about note-taking and you said you've been trying out taking notes on your watch, your Apple watch, but that it wasn't a great experience. With these tools, you could easily have that experience and it would work. It would be mind-blowing to me if Apple was not trying to work on this currently. So I think Humane is spot on in their positioning and I'm very much looking forward to, to trying out an AI pin at some point. If you, if you haven't seen the AI pin, uh, it's uh, imagine a slightly larger uh, AirPod case with uh, not only cameras, microphones, all of that, but also a small projector that can project information uh, in front of you. Uh, you ideally sort of capture it on your hand. And uh, the idea is that this exists as part of essentially everything that you do. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't require you to be in a particular setting or have a particular device apart from the AI pin. I think one of the more interesting parts about Humane's ex experiment and AI in general now becomes so pervasive is the fact that we're getting to an even more personal, personal computing experience. We went from the mainframes to the desktops to the laptops to the iPhones to the now it's literally math model. But if it's if it's training on you and working on your stuff, you kind of really want to have that model yourself. You kind of want to own that model. It probably needs to be your model and probably not in the cloud somewhere. Yeah, because this, um, I, I know that AI, the AI pin from Humane is considered a wearable. To me, it's actually not a wearable. This is a step beyond that, even though you obviously wear it, you need to clip it onto yourself. For that very reason, as you were, as you were um, um, so beautifully explaining it as, as the math model and as something that you want to have, 
course, this doesn't purely work locally, on the contrary. But what it does is that it has started by giving you the impression of it acting a bit more locally, a bit more integrated with you rather than your devices. And of course, there's, there's a lot of talk about how this can be the, the uncoupling with certain services, certain ways that your data is shared, because you actually don't need to give that data about yourself and your activities away to get benefits from it. And I think that's going to be one of the one of the biggest, I hope, positive learnings. Could not have said it better. That is, that is absolutely true. So Jan, to sort of wrap this episode up, what do you think? Are we now at the point where AI has become just a thing? It depends on who you are and what you do. For a, a surprisingly large amount of people, it has already passed the, the, the pinnacle of, the, of that curve. Curves don't have pinnacles, but you know what I mean. It is a type of, of technology adoption that has happened, quote unquote. The barrier to entry is very, very low. I think AI will replace a lot of keyboard strokes and clicks rather than the apps. So when you're scribbling on your iPad and you're scribbling away with your Apple Pencil, AI could just be there along with you and summarize what you're scribbling. And if it gets it wrong, you can just tell it to, no, 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 not like that. Switch this thing out. And it will understand because it speaks your language. It speaks your scribbles. Thank you, Jesper. Thank you.